Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Have a great day. All right, my name is Brian. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Brian. Um, I have come here for like two or three years, and I said I could never get up there, but I guess tonight's my chance. Thank you. <laughs> and, uh, so um, I'll just tell what it was like and what happened and what it's like now. So, you know, I remember my mom dropped me off at preschool. Like, I don't know if I was three years old, and, and I don't even know what to say here tonight, so I'm a little bit nervous, but... I remember I just bawled and screamed, and I know preschoolers do that when they get dropped off to school, but I think my mom said in the car, she, at one point she was like, okay, Brian, that's, that's enough. You know, that's just, and I just, I've always had a really difficult time uh, feeling like I fit in, so that always, you know, that's, I remember that memory. Um, so, yeah, in my, you know, family life, home life, like many others, just there was a lot of uh, anger. There's broken glass and crazy stuff that happened. I'm sure uh, some people's is a lot worse than mine. Some people's is, you know, not as bad. But uh, I always remember having a lot of fear, a lot of anger, and just fitting in with other people. It was very difficult. I think when I was about 10 or 10 years old, 11 years old, got introduced to uh, beer the first time. It was at Manteca Watersides with my brother, and he gave me a beer, and wow, it was, it was excellent. And I just remember I was cussing out some guy who was like 180 pounds, and I just felt like a man of steel, and they had to come and calm me down. Um, but uh, anytime I had access to alcohol after that, I would take it, and it was just it was, it was wonderful. I remember taking a Tupperware thing of a vodka up on the, the school roof when I was like in seventh grade or sixth grade, whatever. Um, and then my first taste of marijuana, which I really loved marijuana, the first time, um, things got in middle school kind of crazy, you know, started to, I flunked seventh grade, and my friend, who's like my best friend at the time, he ended up burning part of the school down, so he went to the Juvenile mm-hmm. Hall, and they had a little lizard, they had to put his tail in a cast, so it was kind of crazy, but, um, so, I mean, it was, you know, it was, it was really fun, and I was holding in a lot of anger, a lot of fear, and just not knowing how to fit in with people. So um, that just kind of went on. And then at a certain age, I think I was about 14, I got religion. So I hope I don't offend anyone here, but I, I became a, a Jehovah's Witness, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, for me, it was it did it because I needed the structure. I needed something that just didn't change, you know. So um, that kept me clean, actually, for eight years. Um, and it was actually a very positive force in my life. It helped me to... Started getting good grades in school and this and that. When I got out of when I, something, something happened in my family. You know, something happened. My mom was assaulted and it popped me out of that. And I made me question God and everything. I became an agnostic. And within, I'd say about a year's time, I popped back with the same cats I was hanging out with before. And I was right on to smoking and drinking again. Um, I had a, a mentor who helped me get into school, started taking some classes. Um, I hadn't been exposed to school at all like that. And, you know, it looked like I was going to a good place, learning math, getting into engineering and this and that. But I kept drinking and smoking along the way, so I kind of fall down and then do some classes, do well, and then fall down. Finally got into school, got into good school, 
Same thing, drinking and smoking. Um, and that just kept happening. I think relationships was hard for me too. Like my first girlfriend was later than usual for people. And I probably made more of that in my head than was needed to be done. That's one thing for me. I would always blow things out of proportion. And, uh, but I, my first girlfriend in UCLA, not my first girlfriend, the first girlfriend there, uh, when that relationship went down, which was in the, the second quarter of UCLA, I, my whole freaking, uh, educational motivation and consistency just went totally down. So that degree took me like total from community college to finish 10 years, which I finally finished in 2006. Um, it's funny, the last quarter I was finishing, I was off of alcohol, but I was, I had chewing tobacco and I was using that as a substitute for alcohol. So it was pretty gross. But I remember going home and like studying and then chewing tobacco and then coffee and chewing just this thing back and forth. So long story short, Finally got into doing some engineering jobs where I had to actually support myself. And uh, I got a lot, a lot of arguments with, with people at work. Um, and it got down to, to the point where I just remember my fists were clenched at the desk one day and I just resigned. I just resigned from my job. Went back to live at my mom's, my mom's house for a while. And then um, I ran out of money. Or I, I got another place to, to stay. And eventually ran out of money. And then I, I became suicidal. I didn't actually do anything, but... They 5150'd me. Probably shouldn't have said that here, but um, geez. Uh, and basically, it was a turning point. You know, my mom had been doing Al Anon for about uh, five minutes. She had been doing Al Anon for 30 years, and I hated God granting the surrender of you. You know, I hated, I hated that prayer. I didn't want anything to do with AA. And, but I was broken, you know, so I went into the room, and I remember the people, I felt, you know, just. I was looking at the place of doing all the writing doing right now. I was looking straight down. And the people, you know, welcomed me and they were warm. And I knew they knew something I didn't about what my problem was. And I don't know how I knew that, but I, you know, they extended their hand as someone asked if they wanted me to be a temp, they wanted to be a temporary sponsor and took it. And I went to 90 meetings in 90 days and I found out, oh, if I go to these meetings, I can stop drinking. Um, it took about a year for me to get a sponsor. I finally worked the 12 steps. You know, there's, you know, what's it like now? Man, I, I'm, I'm sober. I have a, I'm back into the engineering. I have a, have a really good job. My relationship with my mother and father have greatly improved with my family, so that's a really good thing. I still find things to complain about, and those of you who know me you probably know that. Um, but, you know, the truth is I don't admit how much I have, and I was thinking about that the other day. I have a ton to be grateful for. Um, and that's the reality, and I don't like to look at the reality. But like right now, I have an opportunity to speak, and you unfortunately have to put up with it. But it gives me an opportunity to uh, to, to speak my tr truth, and tr maybe what I say is a little bit helpful to someone. Um, so I'm working the steps a second time now. I've, I'll be honest; I've never sponsored anyone. Uh, I don't know if that's the best thing to say here. So I'm trying to get involved in H and I service, and. Uh, you know, the more I stay here, the more I grow, the more I have an opportunity to be vulnerable and to try to be learn what it means to be honest. And um, it's pretty hard, but man, my life is way better than it was. Um, so I think that's all I got. Thank you. Okay, so I'm Victoria, I'm an alcoholic. Um, so I got asked to speak at the last minute, so bear with me. <laughs> um, so I have been sober for about 
two years and eight months this round. Um, I started coming into 12-step meetings in 1999 at the age of 17, actually. Um, I came in as a kid that was just really full of rage and low self-esteem and uh, came from a pretty violent and alcoholic home, which didn't help. But, you know, I think my temperament has just always been to be an alcoholic anyway. So, you know, I just had a few different issues compounded on top of one another, and it caused me to go into a state of crisis um, as a teenager. I was, you know, getting arrested, and uh, I was drinking uh, alone in my parents' closet, you know, at the age of, like, 11, like, drinking, like, tall, like, commercial size bottles of all different kinds of liquor, gin and brandy and sherry, whatever my dad drank, basically. I'd raid his, his bar. And, you know, I don't think he really cared all that much that I drank because for him it was, it was the solution. It was like his medicine. But I was cutting into his stash too much already at the age of 11. So, you know, anyway, by the time I was 17, um, I had, you know, drug dealers that basically were like, you know what, you should try a 12-step program. <laughs> and I thought to myself, this is a joke, whatever, I'm just young, I just, you know, I don't really care, I'm trying to have fun, I love to be drunk and I love to be high. I love to be just completely oblivious and out of myself. And, um, you know, I'm just too young to really have any real issue. Um, but I'll go to a meeting because I'm going to I'm going to take that challenge, you know, just to see what it's like. And I'm going to go to the meeting and I'm going to find out that I'm not alcoholic material. Well, I went to the meeting and I found I happened to um, back in the day. There's a lot of meetings actually in our sister program. Um, N.A. Uh, had a lot of youth in them at the Gilman meetings. 924 Gilman. And so I found a lot of other teenagers there, people that were younger than me that had problems with substances, alcohol included. And um, I decided to stay a while because um, I related to what everybody was saying. And um, that was kind of a terrifying moment. Um, as, as a child and going through, you know, my adolescence, I was already just so so down on everything. Like I was just completely hopeless. I don't think I remember really ever having dreams or aspirations or goals or anything like that anyway. But I mean, I just, I couldn't really see the light. And so, um, being around other people that actually related to that, um, it really, you know, I felt like I found my people, you know, at that time already. So I was like, all right, you guys are what getting sponsors and you're working steps and, getting commitments and doing all this stuff and, uh, smoking cigarettes. I picked up smoking cigarettes, which was the dumbest thing ever. I like traded pot for cigarettes. <laughs> oh, that's such a bad deal. Anyway, so I did that, drank a lot of coffee. You know, there were a lot of behaviors that were not under control. I, I didn't, you know, it's basically like I just stopped using, uh, alcohol, you know, and, um, and I did. I did some of the recovery stuff, but I didn't, I wasn't practicing, you know, all the spiritual principles in my affairs or even attempting that. Um, I was just going through the motions. And, um, at about 18 months, I decided to, you know, basically stop. Um, 
and it wasn't really working out for me to do that. So I managed to come back. I had some, I'd made some relationships in the program and they were, those people had reached out to me. They were like calling me and texting me and I was lucky in that sense, you know, um, I didn't just get to go out and leave. People were like, Hey, where are you? What's going on? Come to a meeting with me, you know, come back. Um, and so I did, and I did for about three and a half years and I did all the same stuff again. I, I did all the suggestions. Um, again, you know, a lot of my behaviors hadn't changed. And I think that's, that's why I couldn't stay sober, you know, cause I wasn't honest enough. I wasn't probably honest enough with myself. I didn't, I really didn't know like what to do. I just felt an immense sense of desperation and I hit a type of bottom even in sobriety, you know, to be totally honest. Um, cause I thought, I thought before being sober was going to be enough for me. And I was a person that needed other things. I needed outside help. I needed to discover other programs. I needed, I needed a bunch of other things, but I didn't know any of that stuff. Um, and so what happened was, is I was just stark sober and it was really painful and really unbearable. And, um, at that point I was like, you know what? I don't know that this is really working for me. And I went back out and I went out, you know, until, you know, it was about, gosh, what year did I come back? I think it was, it was 2014 when I really, really gave it another shot. Um, and what had happened at that point was that I just, um, nothing had changed. I mean, things were getting steadily worse, but I, I mean, like, I was still stuck. I could never really get through anything. You know, it was like emotionally, it was like Groundhog Day or something. Like, and it was just so dull. And basically the substances stopped working the way I'd like them to, you know, my head was just still so loud. I could just feel the effects of the intoxication. My coordination was off. My speech was off, but my head was still going. And not only that, it had, you know, I still had all this knowledge about 12 step programs and I knew exactly what I was doing to myself. And I was watching myself just continue to go without being able to stop. And along the way, just having, you know, friends, you know, basically kill themselves, OD, um, die of, you know, um, chronic diseases that were basically caused by addiction, uh, premature people just dying and, um, really scary things, you know, it just, it got really, really dark. You know, the party was definitely over. It had become much more of like a horror show, really, to sort of like witness what was going on and, just, you know, individually, I, as a person, I, I was always very isolated. And when I used, uh, I actually became kind of more like a extrovert in ways. Like I was out and about, I was at the clubs, I was at the bars, I was within the drinking community. <laughs> and like, that's the thing that allowed me to kind of like go out and do things or so I thought, you know, um, and, uh, so I was sort of in touch with, you know, certain communities and, and things were just getting more and more sad and more and more dark within those communities. And, um, I just thought to myself, I was like, okay, I've got two choices. I could, I could go down the way my friends are going to go, which is, you know, I'm going to die prematurely of this addiction or I'm going to decide to fight for my life. And, um, 
And so I chose to fight for my life, basically. Um, I knew for a long time I had an addiction. I had a, you know, problem with alcohol. Alcohol was my main poison, um, for sure. Like, that was the base to everything. That was the one thing that was, like, regular. <laughs> everything else could be sort of sporadic, but the alcohol had to stay. Um, and I knew it was my main poison, and I was just like, um, I, I know where this is going, you know? And, um... And I learned that there were other tools, you know, that I could, I could gain, you know, I could go towards if, if I achieved sobriety, right? I couldn't really get any better. I couldn't heal from any of the stuff, move on with my life, uh, if I didn't have sobriety first. Um, and so I just, I came back, I did everything that was, you know, suggested. I'm doing it very differently this time. I'm working really, really hard. Um, I'm going to meetings. I have commitments. I'm of service even when I feel like I don't want to be. I'm working two different 12-step programs. I'm in therapy. I have a partner that is also in recovery. Um, I had a child two years ago, um, which was probably the bravest thing I've ever done. <laughs> Um, but you know what? She keeps me, she keeps me in check, you know, because on a bad day, I'm like, I can't do I can't screw her up. I just can't. I went through it with my own parent and it impacted me in, in ways that, um, I'm going to carry with me the rest of my life, you know, and I don't want to do that to her. I don't want her to have a alcoholic parent, um, active alcoholic parent, um, and so, you know, I, um, I suit up and I show up and I do, I actually try to practice these principles, you know, that we, we learn about, um, in the 12 steps and, you know, here as much as I can, because you know what? I don't, I'm already so full of shame and so full of guilt and so full of my past that I'm still trying to work through that haunts me that I can't afford to add on more and more fresh wreckage. <laughs> I just, I'm sober now. I feel all the stuff that goes on, you know? And um, I just want to have a better quality of life. I got sober to have a better quality of life and to survive. But it's like, I don't want to go around, you know, hurting other people with my self-centeredness, you know? Um, at my core, I am incredibly self-centered. Incredibly and, um, it's really miserable, actually, whenever I try to feed into that and get my way, like for the longest time, I could never figure that out. I was like, oh, if I could just like figure out my like plans and schemes and like my priorities that basically just benefit me, 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 then like everything will be okay. And it's totally not like that. Like now I, I basically turn everything in my life over to my higher power whatever that is. I'm like, I don't want my will anymore. I, I don't, my mind is crazy. It doesn't know what's best for me. I, I can't, I, I, I don't want control of that anymore. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm ready to give that, give that up. Um, and so living, living in a way where I'm more service-based <laughs> rather than me-based has been the biggest um, relief actually. It's like a burden in a way is lifted. Like I don't have the pressure anymore of like having to figure out every little thing about my life. 
um, and future tripping about it. I mean, it's not to say that I don't still, but I, I rein it in. I'm like, oh, I'm doing that thing again where I think I can control my life and I know what's best for me. And, you know, I'm getting really emotionally attached to very specific outcomes. And if those outcomes don't occur, then I'm just going to do X, Y, and Z. You know, like I can't, I can't live like that anymore. And so really what it feels like now is it's just like I'm on this, um, I'm on a very mysterious journey. <laughs> I mean, I, I do have, you know, a certain, a certain amount of direction in terms of like, um, I, I want to be like as spiritually fit as I can be, but I'm trying to be much more open-minded to the possibilities that can happen that I can't even imagine for myself, you know, like, I feel like I'm not making any sense. Um, but I guess what am I really trying to say? I'm trying to say that before I had a very, very narrow minded approach to life and, and I, and I'm still working on like not being so rigid in my thinking and the, my assumptions and my expectations when I have them and all of those things get me into a lot of trouble and make me very miserable. Um, so, you know, it's like, I guess I try to, I try to keep my direction somewhat loose. I want to be an okay human being now. <laughs> I just want to be decent human being. And today I know that for me, that takes an incredible lot, you know, it takes a lot of effort, actually, for me. It's not enough for me to be sober. Like, I came from a family that didn't really show me a foundation of how to really do that. So, to me, it's like I'm working from scratch, in a sense. Um, and I'm learning here from you guys, like, what to do in situations and how to trust and how to have faith and how to be honest and all those things. Um and, you know, sometimes it's incredibly, you know, it's really uncomfortable. And I, I don't, I want to resist that process. Um, I want to, like, take my will back. I want to go, like, fix on something really quick, even if it's not alcohol, like a person or, a, you know, I don't know, food or just, like, whatever. I just want to, like, try to distract um, instead of be present. So I guess, you know, where I'm at now is like learning how to, how to just be with myself, you know, in a very simple way with like no frills, like no, I just like there by myself, like in the dark, whatever, just like at peace with whatever is going on through my mind, you know, whatever, whatever feelings arise, just be there for all of that stuff. Like not try to run from it. Cause that's what the alcoholic in me wants to do. That's my instinct. I want to just run from whatever's uncomfortable, unpleasant, whatever. And that has only perpetuated my suffering and my confusion. Um, so yeah, I mean, I feel like, I'm headed towards more and more clarity on some level. And that's exactly the opposite of actually what I wanted before. I wanted to just be totally unconscious. And I am now living in a way that is so different than I ever knew I could live. 
um, just because I'm taking some suggestions and doing this um, to the best to, to, to the best of my ability and forgiving myself when I can't right when I'm not when my when I don't think my best is, is really that great just like having acceptance about whatever because if I'm not doing that eventually I'm gonna drink again because I'm the kind of alcoholic that has I, I just it's I have very little tolerance, really. Like, I, it can go on for, you know, maybe maybe about a year or so where I'm just, like, not working through stuff and I'm not accepting anything and I'm being really negative before I'm just like, you know what? That's not worth it. I hate living like this. I don't want it. This isn't a good sober quality of life, you know? So I have to do all the other things that this program suggests, um, which aren't fun sometimes, and they're not my first instinct, you know, to want to do that. Today, I mean, I've got, so my daughter's going to be two. I'm planning her birthday party. No idea. I've, I grew up around parents that were seniors. Like my mom was 46 when she had me. I was not planned. My dad was 20 years, you know, older than her. And so like, I didn't, you know, there were no little kids running around me. Like there were people that were even, you know, baby boomers, really, that were around me. Um, no wonder I felt like a misfit. So now I've got a two-year-old, and I didn't get to have my own childhood. So I'm like, it's very healing, actually, to to be there with her and to watch her and to play with her and do all of those things and to plan these little birthday parties and, and all these things that my parents didn't do for me, you know. Um, and I've got a stepdaughter that's six years old, you know, and that's really triggering for me, actually, um, because, you know, they want to test you at that age, you know, and they got all the questions and all the stuff. And it's it's but it's she's a great kid. She really is. And then there's a 15 year old girl who is actually nothing like I was at 15. <laughs> she's who knows what's going to happen later. Her mother's an alcoholic, too. So and she's actively using um but she isn't acting out too much right now, at least not that I know of. She doesn't act out with me anyway, so I'm lucky that way. Um, and, you know, so I, my life is full of children. I work a full-time job, which is also very service-oriented and very emotional, but also, you know, has, like, a very, like, practical and business aspect to it. And... Um, you know, uh, that place is like a circus right now. <laughs> so it's like I'm really having to use my recovery here and figure out how to navigate those waters with management and all my other coworkers and, you know, just the different departments. Um, and, but I'm doing it and I'm showing up and, um, you know, just having, a, you know, running a household. My, my partner, who I love very much, who I've actually known since my first round in recovery, 1999, um, is chronically ill. He's just, he's like got um, something that's called uh, chronic fatigue syndrome. And it sounds like a really lame thing. And it's like, it's a very, like, it covers a very broad umbrella of symptoms and doesn't really explain. It's kind of like the diagnosis they give you when you're really sick and I can't figure out why or what. Anyway, he's got a lot of inflammation throughout his body and particularly in his brain. And it's very debilitating and it's very hard to watch that, you know? 
and he's not that old, you know, and, um, so, you know, it's a full, it's a full life and, and I'm working, I'm trying to work on my recovery. And, um, for me, I've really needed a more structured spiritual life. So I'm also actively involved in that kind of, um, in that kind of community. So things are busy for me right now. And you know what? My life would not be busy at all. It wouldn't be busy with anything but alcohol if I were still drinking. Uh, my type of alcoholism would not really allow for very much else. It took up a lot of room and a lot of space in my life. And even if it, even if I could like sort of manage more, I just, I was the kind of person that didn't really want to. I just wanted my alcohol and I wanted to be left alone. Maybe I wanted like one or two buddies that were also just as bad off that I could sort of bullshit with. You know, that would be like a good night, you know, but like really, it was really sad. It was a really sad life out there, you know, and, um, for me. And of course, I always looked at other drinkers that looked all fancy with their cocktail, you know, um, glasses at the bars, the bougie bars. And I'd like sort of be like, ooh, yeah, that looks that looks nice, you know, on a summer night or something like that. And it's like that was not the kind of drinker I was. I like to be totally shit faced. That's just how it was. That's how I drank. That's what it took. And it was not fun. And it was not fun in the end for a lot of the people around me. I was really obnoxious and belligerent and mean and totally unpredictable and dangerous and um, not not somebody that any normal person would want to spend their time with. I was not that, you know. So, you know, yeah, I was just living a really insane life before. And, um, you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't the kind of life where like, I was like in the tenderloin all the time and doing all kinds of things. And it was like a sex worker. I didn't have, I had I'm a very like run in the mill type of alcoholic. And I think for a while that sort of caught me off guard. Like I always felt like the true alcoholics had to have like the really like awesome, like horrific stories and that's what it took to qualify to be here and today I you know what I just own my seat with the story that I have <laughs> it's my story it's what it is I'm definitely an alcoholic I belong here I don't I don't want to know what's going to find out what I mean what's going to happen you know what I mean like if I if I decide to drink again I, I really I'm totally terrified of it because you know what even even with all the work I'm doing and um, what I know and um, and the fact that I've got like a little over two and a half years, which isn't a whole lot really, but it's something, um, I still get cravings. You know, I still, my mind still says, oh yeah, who cares? You know, like don't think about anything else, just drink. And um, I can't, that's terrifying. Uh, that is just, that's a, I'm like a pretty pretty serious alcoholic. <laughs> it's, it's still there. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's a blessing though. You know, maybe that's the thing that reminds me that even though I feel like I have a pretty dull story, like I'm still an alcoholic <laughs> and, um, and I definitely would be one of the people that, um, I mean, probably if, if I went back, uh, the best thing, you know, between being hospitalized or dead, I like, I don't know, being incarcerated in prison would be the best outcome that could happen for a person like me. I, 
I don't like any of the three options personally, but that's what I've been witnessing. This is with my other fellow alcoholics and, you know, addictive people. Like I, I've literally been watching people die off from this disease in the last 20 years. All different versions of them. Some, the super high functioning ones, sometimes their bodies just give out. You know, they keep going till their wheel, till the wheels fall off or, you know, the ones, whatever, they just, it, all different things. And it's, it's, it's like not a story that, that we just tell people to scare them so that they can become good citizens, you know, to like not drink. It's like, no, it's real. This is a fatal, fatal disease. And that's why I'm here. <laughs> I'm fighting for my life. And on any given day, with any given amount of situations, it's possible that I'll pick up again. I, I'm humble enough at this point that I see that. Um, and my only, my only security is to try to stay connected, come to meetings, be of service, do all that stuff. Like I'm not like a real, I'm not huge on fellowshipping, you know, and, um, we all do things a little bit differently. You know, some people do, maybe one day I will be, I don't know. I, I've been really busy <laughs> with, uh, with other things. How am I doing on time? How much longer? <laughs> you have about 15 minutes. 15 more minutes? What? Oh my God. Um, okay. I'll just, um, so where was I? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it takes, it just, it, it takes what it takes. And I think that, you know, when we come into the program, one of our biggest jobs is to try to, and gifts potentially, is to figure out who we really are. You know, I mean, we get to do that when we come in here and we get to figure out what our specific needs are and we get to figure out what it's going to take for us to be able to stay sober. You know, what, what are going to be the protective elements that's going to keep us here? You know, um, the statistics aren't great for us. So, you know, it's like if we're sitting here and we've got any amount of time, we're one of the few and blessed people, you know, I really, I really believe that. And that's something that, um, I try to remember, I try to have some gratitude about that reality, you know, and um, I don't know. I mean, I, I just, I'm kind of curious now. I'm finally at a point now where I'm curious about where life is going to take me um, in a sober way. Like, I, I feel like I've had to give up. This sounds really selfish. I feel like I've had to give up certain things, right, to, to be able to, to be in recovery, right? Like, I'm not self, I'm supposed to be service oriented now and all of that. And so, you know, what, what does that mean? It means that I, I find myself doing things more often that I don't actually feel like doing at first. Usually the outcome, though, is that I end up feeling better after I do those things. It's a real paradoxical thing. When I do the things I think I want to do and I actually get to do like, it's not as great sometimes as I think it's going to be. And, um, so I don't know. I mean, it's just this constant unfolding, uh, of life and, um, I get to be there, you know, for other people now. I couldn't be there for other people before. <laughs> no way. I mean, I could pretend, you know, for like a second while I'm drunk or something, you know, but it's like, I probably wouldn't remember. And I certainly wasn't feeling, I mean, I wasn't, 
I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a good friend. Um, as much as I thought I, I you know, I wanted to be, <laughs> um, I just wasn't available. I wasn't available. Um, and today, even though I'm sober, I'm still working on that. There's so many ways to not be available still emotionally and all of that. And I still struggle with that. Um, and it's just part of the, the healing, you know, of the journey of just like, I'm learning how to be a human being in a way, you know, like I, even before I started drinking, I was pretty numb, you know, like I was pretty numb emotionally. Cause I, I went through so much, um, turmoil and violence and, um, a lot of my needs weren't getting met and, um, you know, that's like a whole nother program, right? But it's like, as I'm sober, for me, it's like, I have to look at these things. And I guess that's what, you know, I would want to probably say to other people that are new, you know, is that you get to find out, you know, these other extra things that for you specifically, you can find other communities to help you with those things eventually, you know, and your life can be so much better and so much richer, you know, um, sober, um, once you get past that first, you know, initial acute withdrawal phase, which is really hard. It's like, that was the other thing I thought, oh my God, I've been sober three weeks. Like, this is how it's going to be. I feel like I want to kill myself or kill somebody else. Like, no, that'll pass. That's all chemical stuff too. That's just, that's just part of like being an alcoholic and getting sober. It takes a while to find your baseline. And then a while to figure out how to do self-care around that. And the self-care part is, like, really, really important. Because um, that's what's going to give you the quality of life, you know. And um, I want a good quality of life today. I, I feel like, to me, like, I still have the kind of mind that can see still work where I have all the deficits, right? Where there, I still have all these issues and these problems and things that I need to fix. And it's like, I'm always looking, and it's like, I just have to, you know, it's not true. It's like, I am making so much progress. I'm doing so much more work than I ever thought I could, you know, most of, a lot of it's like internal, you know, but it's like, that's, that's the work right there, you know, like, Getting into that pain, you know, whatever it was, whatever it is you're running from, you know, whatever feelings or, you know, experiences or things that you're having a really hard time, like lean into that stuff, learn how to do that and know that you're going to be okay. You're going to be better off actually doing that, you know, like it's a really weird concept to me, um, that whole like idea of like. Like, you know, in meditation, it's part of one of the things, you know, you learn sometimes is to just kind of be with whatever arises. And, you know, maybe even have a certain amount of detachment. Just have an awareness of what's coming up. What is that? That's all information and about yourself. It's really important. And to me, alcoholism has a lot to do with not doing that, which is why I mentioned that. I feel like so much of our disease takes up so much space and so much room that we don't actually necessarily get a chance to even address that stuff down below the surface. The stuff that really like yearns to like 
be met, you know, to have connection, to to really feel, you know, the love so that we can have like genuine joy. So we're not like just trying to get our cheap thrills all the time, like to actually like know what it is to experience like real awesome stuff in life. But it takes a little bit of time and it takes a lot of patience. And for me lately, I've been going through this phase where I'm just like crying. I didn't cry for, I don't know how many years. I didn't cry. No, no. Now I'm crying all the time. And I guess it's healthy. I mean, I've got, I've got decades of, of, of tears in there that never came out. A lot of good reason for them and a lot of rage too. And I'm actually really uncomfortable with rage. I was sort of like that kid that was like spooky, quiet, like didn't really say anything, like just <sighs> tried to pretend like, I don't know, just not going to do anything. I'm a nice person. No, I was never really nice. But um, I, I wanted people to like think that, you know, and, um, and I've got so much rage coming up for me now, you know, and uh I'm kind of afraid of it, really. Like, the intensity is pretty, pretty great. And my conscious mind can't really grasp, like, exactly where it's all coming from. But I'm just, you know, going through it. And I'm I'm actually starting to exercise for the first time in my life. That's really good. Wow. <laughs> That's a trip. Um, that feels like drugs, at least for me, because I'm, like, new to it. So it's it hits me really hard right now. I understand later on, once I get used to it, it's not going to be so intense. But right now, it's like, whoa, this is, like, really good cocaine with none of the bad side effects. Awesome. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, life is a trip, and I'm really grateful to still be here and to still be full of everything – the, the discomfort, the tears, the rage, the joy, the vulnerability. Um, yeah, I'm not going to get to be here forever. So, like, for whatever time I have left, I want to actually live. So, I think that's all I have for now. Thanks. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.